0: Welcome friends, and thank you for listening. I'm Scott Sullivan, Discipleship Catalyst with the Georgia Baptist Mission Board, and our team exists to strengthen Georgia Baptist churches in the area of discipleship. We've developed three tools just for you. The Watershed Principle, which identifies the six main ministries of the church that must be healthy to produce world-impacting disciple-makers. The Spark Conference. Last year's conference saw over 33,000 views from 45 different states and 18 countries. This year's conference will premiere on August the 12th with best-selling author, Tony Evans, Ben Mandrell, president of LifeWay, and David Kinnaman, the president of the Barna Group. We also have learning communities that are set up throughout Georgia, which exist to help you finish the task of leading your family in ministry well. You can see our website to find one near you. Also, every Thursday at 3 p.m., you can catch this broadcast through Facebook, Instagram, or multiple podcast platforms. Now, let's join today's broadcast. Welcome, friends. We have the newest member of our Church Strengthening team on today to talk about all things worship and music. Ron Carter is the music and worship catalyst on our team and transitioned into this role, I guess, about three months ago. And he's still getting used to that. I, I think he's still getting lost going to the bathroom around here. You know how it's going to be new. And uh, he comes here from First Baptist Statesboro, where he served for the past seven years as worship pastor. Ron's a gifted pianist and singer, has a degree in vocal performance and a minor in a piano from, in communications from Bruton Parker. He's married to the lovely Vicky and has one son, Barron. And Ron, he must be pretty bright because I believe he's getting a medical engineering degree, right?
1: Actually, mechanical engineering. So, mechanical, yeah, mechanical
0: engineering. Yep. Okay, good deal. Well, a reminder, folks, as you are jumping on with us to watch um, this broadcast, we are product of the cooperative program dollars that you are giving to the Southern Baptist Convention through your church, to your association, to your state convention. So, thank you for doing that. And we want to give a stack of resources away. So, make sure that you leave a comment for those of you who are watching by Facebook. And uh, we'll, you'll be entered into a drawing for some really cool free swag resources that we're going to give out. So welcome, Ron. Good to have you here, big dog. Hey, man. Good to see you. Glad to be here. Glad to be a part of the team. You bet. Well, let's start by giving our listeners a little bit of background on your ministry career. And I mean, just think about it. You're the music and worship guy for the whole state of Georgia. So like, like what is the little bit of background that that got you to this point in your, uh, your ministry career. Matter of fact, I think there might be a little bonus material here because you're one of those kind of crazy journeys where
1: you went to what medical school to get a ministry career. Yeah, something like that where, uh, yeah, it was, it was a journey for sure. Uh, I grew up in South Georgia, uh, down near the Okefenokee swamp and, uh, grew up going to church my whole life and, uh, just had a natural knack for music love music music has been kind of my language you know for most of my life to be able to use and to talk and so grew up in school and, and music and uh, then uh, kind of grew up in a small church setting and uh, like you said uh, went to thought i wanted to be a uh, something in the medical field a hospital administrator Uh, But the Lord had other plans. And uh, so I I left medical school, went back to one of our Georgia Baptist uh, colleges, Bruton Parker College and uh, Mount Vernon, and uh, got my music degree there. And uh, it was there that everything just began to really come into place for me because I had grown up kind of with one musical language. But then as I got to college, I learned a technical musical language and uh, then as I began to do ministry I learned that whole ministry music language and so I believe that through all of those years of different churches and different styles and and the things that I learned in college the things I learned from my parents the things I learned uh, you know in the churches after that kind of made me what I call multilingual musically. Mm-hmm. Meaning that, um, you know, I, I, I laugh sometimes and tell people it's like, you know, yes, I know the blessed assurance Jesus is mine language, but I also know the graves to garden language. And it's amazing, you know, the, those cultures are somewhat different, but it's like, I felt like as the Lord brought me to open this door, the Lord just kept telling me and confirming through my friends that, because I was multilingual musically, it's like I could take both sides and say, "Okay, let's we this can work together," you know. And and not only say yes, it can, but basically demonstrate that it can. You know, I mean, even the ministries I've been a part of have all been like that.
0: That's great. And for those of you who are viewing today, that are in our chats on the the Facebook group here, I'd love to hear from you because I'm the same way, Ron. I can look back now and see how God has used me in in multiple different areas to develop different skills. And I didn't really know what was going on at the time, but I can see now where I'm in this position where God has used all of that and brought it to a point where I'm able to use that. So if you're like that, you're watching viewing, drop that in the chat. Let us know a little bit about your journey, some of the craziness of where you came from that brought you to where you are. Now, Ron, look, this this topic is huge for us, for our tribe and what we do in discipleship because I feel like, Many, if not most, church members are involved in corporate worship as a means of self-medication. And here's what I mean by that: We go to feel better. We go to forget the stresses or the anxieties that we're dealing with, with family and work and the things that go on. But there's got to be more to that. We know that that corporate worship does not exist to just make us feel better. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's not supposed to be the purpose of of self-medication. So here's my question to kick us off here. What are some of the key ideas a worship leader or pastor need to think through when they're engaging church members in corporate worship?
1: Well, I think one of the things that we need to remember is the first thing is why are we there? Mm -hmm. You know, um, and I know we're going to talk about this a little later, probably, but, you know, just the whole idea, are we there to serve as just performers for this group? Or are we actually the engagers, you know, are we, you know, I, I hear people talk about, you know, you know, there used to be this term, you know, you need to be the one that's, you know, engaging. Well, sometimes just what we do on stage or what we say or how we say it. Uh, engages people, you know, just something as simple as inviting the people in the seats to sing along with you. Mm -hmm. I I can't tell you how many churches I go to that nobody, as I sit in the congregation from the stage says, hey, y'all sing with us. And sometimes just a simple invitation is all people need. Oh, okay. Because, you know, a lot of times there's people in the pews who may have not been there before and they don't understand that they're supposed to be joining together and so they need that invitation. So I think one of the things to remember is what are we saying even the small things to invite people to engage with us. The other thing I would say about worship is that we have a culture that wants to just kind of come, sit down, have, you know, just make us feel good and leave. And, you know, it kind of, they hopefully think that it was kind of a, almost just a numbing agent for life for just a moment. Mm -hmm. But worship is something, you know, I tell people all the time, worship is an action verb. It's not something you attend. It's something you do. It's good. And so, you know, when you go to worship, we, are we engaging our people to do anything? You know, I, I, I'll just this is not worth music, but it's a part of worship. I can't tell you how many times I've been in services where I've ha- I, I've never had anybody ask me to pull out my Bible and open it to a certain scripture. I, I'm like,
0: hmm.
1: you know, we're, we're putting it up on the screen. And so people just kind of lazily look back. But how many times do we just say, hey, grab your Bible. We're fixing to read the scripture. We want you to open your Bible and and read it, you know, uh, with us. Uh, so I think that sometimes, you know, things that we don't think about, and I think it's very easy for us as staff members, that we get in the routine that becomes just very easy for us, and we forget about what it feels like to be somebody in the congregation.
0: Gosh, that's so true, Ron. So true. That is good stuff. Now, it, you know, I shared with a guy two weeks ago. I said, I feel like many leaders should seek to be more more interested and less interesting. Mm. Like, some and I'm guilty of that. I, there've been times that I got up to preach or to be on the stage, and I was trying to get people to like me. I wanted people to respect me, you know, as a professional, as a speaker, as a leader. And and what I've learned, I just want to get your thoughts on this. What I've kind of learned is, you know, when you when you're doing that, people can see through the faith. They can see the guy who wants to be like. They can see the guy who just who's there for the show. And I feel like we lose value rather than gain
1: value in that moment. Your thoughts? I think that sometimes what we have to do, especially from the musician standpoint, is that we, if we're not careful, we produce what's on the stage like a TV show so perfect that people kind of come in and think they're just kind of watching a show and they go home like they're watching a movie. And so we don't, we've got to make it real. We've got to make it seem more like something different than than what they're used to. Like we've got, to, I mean, even from the standpoint of, you know, hey, you on the back row, y'all sing along with us. And they're like, back row, he's talking to us. You know, all of a sudden they wake up, you know, that kind of thing. Or, hey, let's hear the balcony sing this next verse. Everybody join us. You know, it's amazing what that does to make them feel like, okay, he knows I'm here. Because I think that's a big part of it is, you know, even talking about just your eye communication of looking around the room, you know, we all have different perspectives on it, but, you know, one of the things, if we're not careful, we we use all of our resources to create an environment that makes everybody just look to one position on the stage and not maybe, and that could be lighting, that could be sound, that can be all kinds of things, you know, but sometimes when we talk about corporate worship, that means the whole thing, you know. And so do we? are we creating an environment that's engaging for everybody, you know, uh, in the room, you know. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I, I, you know, one of the things that is just came to mind is just the whole idea of probably one of the biggest challenges for people in music ministry is just the decibel level of worship. Mm. Now, this would be a whole nother topic for sure, but here's, here's part of it. It's a balance because you can't have it so soft that people feel like they're the only one they hear because they'll quit instantly. You can't have it so loud that it's hurtful or damaging, but you have to find that balance that creates that environment that creates a wonderful foundation that people feel like, okay, I can participate without standing out. And uh, I, I think that we, when you do those, all those things, then that gives a great, and I talk about this all the time in, in the church I've been in, what are we doing to create a foundation for engagement? Mm. What do our, do, do our lights create a foundation for engagement? Does our audio create a foundation for engagement? Does what we do, does what we say on stage create a foundation for engagement Do what we look like to how we're dressed? All of those things, do do all of those things come together and create a foundation that everybody in the room feels like they can engage in what's happening? Because the truth is worship is for everybody to do the same thing at the same time.
0: Right. And that's what you're doing is you're focusing or funneling people's attention. To the one person in the room that the attention should be on, and that is Jesus. And that's That's right. And that is a task. So, a a super important question here. This is straight from Mike Taylor, the West or uh, uh, Northwest Discipleship Consultant. He wants to know in regards to the song, Father Abraham, where does that fit into the modern worship? Should it, <laughs> it be monthly? Should it be weekly? Or is it just when you desire to have many sons? Exactly.
1: I think it's just when the pastor is preaching on that passage. I think that would be the most appropriate answer for that. <laughs> Maybe we'll get Michael
0: here one day. We'll I think you should do that. Praise the Lord. All right, here's the question. So what's the point of corporate worship? So we talked about that and you hinted a little bit about the lights and how important it is from the stage and some some things like that. So, what is the point of corporate worship that leaders need to consider? Or, in other words, why do we do it? Where where are we when we try uh, trying
1: to where are we trying to take the worship person? I think that the reason that we gather together is is that we gather together to ultimately give honor and glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, we we know that. I think we have to come back from that and say, how do we do that best? Because what what gives honor to the Lord? I mean, what what is it that really honors the Lord? I mean, as you look through all of, you know, and and a worship service is basically nothing more than just a a list of things that are happening, if you will. It's it's a, you know, we're running down our list of things that may be like announcements that may be an opening song, that may be a prayer, that may be a scripture reading, maybe a responsive reading, an invitation, but how do all of those things honor the Lord and glorify the Lord in all that we do? How how do we, you know, how do we do that? The Because the point is, is to let the Lord do the work in the lives of the people who are engaged. And, and I believe, I've often thought through this why is it that we use a lot of times music or singing, but it's amazing to me what happens in the life of people when they sing the same tone and the same lyric at the same time. Mm -hmm. It's 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 one of the only places that that ever happens is in corporate worship. That's that people good. sing the same tone and sing the same lyric at the same time. And I think what because of that, it's very important that we remember because we're doing that. We should at that have everybody worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ. So we've got to make sure that what we're doing in the room. Always leads to Him, yeah. You know, always honors Him and what we do. It's well, why it's so important.
0: And that's good. I'm just sitting in my mind just spinning on some different things that I have done or have been a part of in the past, where that that nugget would have been helpful. Now, one thing that comes to mind here, Ron. Let me let me detour for a second okay. with you because you remember, and maybe your parents did this as well. You know, getting rest on Saturday night is going to affect your worship on Sunday morning, and you know. That, that whole thing, the idea of, of what you do during the week or what you do leading into that corporate worship engagement uh, matters as well. So just a, just a quick word here, what can people do to prepare for worship? Or, or is it okay to just show up in worship, let the worship leader lead as if they're coming to a movie and, and to be entertained? Or are there some, you know, one or two things that people could be thinking about or doing to prepare for worship before they ever show
1: up? Well, one of the things I tell churches all the time is how do, and and this comes back to a question, how do we prepare our people to worship before they get there on Sunday? Mm -hmm. You know, um, I, I often have talked about, you know, creating a, basically a church song list, if you will. Now that's a fluid list that moves with the culture of the church. But, but the truth is, every church has a musical culture. Um, it, it, and and it, has, it can be any style, it can be any music, but every church has a certain culture musically. I think what we have to do is in that culture, yes, you have to stretch it, but yes, you also have to be able to find what it is and how do you prepare in the people in that culture. That could be things throughout the week about, uh, you know, new songs that you're wanting to try. I mean, I can't tell you how many times people come from a worship service and they're like, I just didn't know any of the songs. Well, what are we doing as a congregation to try to help our people know the songs, you know, ahead of time? Because Mm -hmm. one of my one of my biggest critiques, um is the whole idea of can you worship musically to a song you don't know? I, mm. I, you know, I always like to ask that question because I don't like people to ask me that question. <laughs> but, if, but but can you, you know, yeah. w- because I believe that the more you know a song that you can release back to the Lord, freely without having to really think about it but actually I mean just release it to the Lord in worship that to me is when I think the Lord can really connect with you and do a work in your life because there are people that concentrate so much on the notes and the lyric that that's really what they get out of a worship service they have no idea what the spirit has done in their life or anything because they're just they're blocked you know just thinking through what it is and And I always tell people, how many times does it take to sing a song to know it so well that it allows your heart to sing, but not your mind? Mm. Because, you know, you know, there's a thing, oh, we need to use the books in worship, or, you know, we need to have the music. But sometimes you just need to sing and let your heart sing. And when you do that, it's amazing what happens, because it's like It opens up not only what you're giving, but it opens up something to receive from the Lord when you can allow your worship to be something that's just free and open and something that you can just offer to the Lord as humbly as you know how. That's the reason I think it doesn't matter what kind of singer you are. It just doesn't matter about ability. Mm -hmm. I think the question is are you given 100% of who you are to the Lord in that moment?
0: That's good. And you've offered a question here that I think is just gold. What are you doing to prepare your people for worship? Whether that's helping them to understand a new song ahead of time. man, that is great. Super question. One of the things that we found in the church, Ron, where I had just come from when I came here, um, one of the big things that made a difference there was when our people began to spend one-on-one time, daily time with Jesus in personal worship, it enhanced The experience of corporate worship. Mm. And just, man, the volume was louder in the room. The people were more engaged. We didn't necessarily have to tell the jokes first thing out of the gate to keep them engaged. They were ready to be there and they were anticipating that. Man, great
1: word. Great word. One of the things I think that's very important for, for pastors to remember is that corporate worship in the life of the church people is one of the major components of time. Hmm. And because of that, we need to be teaching at least on a regular basis what we're supposed to do in that moment because people just sometimes don't know. And so are we teaching about what worship is? Are we teaching about what worship looks like? Are we teaching about what worship should do for us? Because I think sometimes, you know, it's such a big moment. I mean, I I think in today's society, you know, used to years ago, people came into a church through a small group. But I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that today most people find out about your church online, usually through a live stream first, probably. And then they would probably secondly check out a service a corporate service before they would do anything else. And so they come in knowing nothing. And so we've got to begin to figure out ways to teach them what it is, why it is that we gather. Yeah, and
0: this is a great point, Ron, to interject something for your team, because the reality in Georgia is 89% of our churches run less than, I think it's 200 people. So we're the normative size church is really the smaller church here which means they're probably not gonna have a full-time worship leader, or if he is a full-time worship leader, um, he probably wasn't trained, which means we got a lot of those Joe at the Lube shop that are singing from a CD from the stage with a lady and a guy with a guitar and a piano. And a lot of those guys aren't trained and they may not know how to teach or how to lead their people to do that. So you are, are having consultants Engage in the different regions, right? To help right. them know how to do these things. Yeah, can you tell a little bit about your consultants.
1: Yeah, and, and so we have a consultant in each of our regions. Uh, you know, I came from the southeast, so hopefully we'll have one down there. And uh, um, but yes, we believe that regionalizing our this ministry gives them a person in their area that they can contact. We we also hope to try to create some of these, you know basically, workshops in their area that could help them. Um, you know, one idea is to create a group that would meet at lunch for maybe those guys that are full-time, have a group that would meet in the evening for people that maybe are by vocation or part-time, and then maybe have a group for just pastors who want to learn about, you know, what the worship ministry is. So, something like that, that we're in our regions, we can try to provide for training for people to even teach our leaders what we're supposed to be doing when we gather together on Sunday.
0: That's right. And you're I know that you're even available to help lead on some of those Sundays. And you've got guys who are just like our consultants and just like I'm available to preach on Sundays. So that's really the beauty of where the convention is headed these last two years is getting help and service into the field where the people are now. Look, we're running out of time, so let me give you one more question here. But I think it's okay. an important one. What's the difference between performing and leading in worship? And you know, are there some
1: cautions that we need to be aware of in terms of style and gimmicks and that sort of thing? I think that one of the biggest things is to just acknowledge your the people who are in the room with you. I think that I think that breaks down the major walls is because. I think that sometimes if we're not careful, we can easily walk out and perform and walk off. I think another thing to remember is your body language is a huge um, thing that says, I want you to be a part of what I'm not doing, or actually, I'd rather you just sit and watch and let me do all the work. I mean, we can easily, we've all been to places where you know that okay well I'm not supposed to you know join in with them this is just their show. You know and so I think we have to be very careful because I believe that what we don't yes we want excellence in worship but we don't want worship to be something you just go sit through as you said at the very beginning and then you walk out and you think okay well you know my leader worship that was good enough for me because that really never Listen. Attending worship and not worshiping will never change you. Mm, it'll cool. never, it'll never make you more like Christ. And that's, that's what we want. We want that's what we desire.
0: Well, you're you're talking my language now. I know it. Well, Ron, look. Thank you for all your efforts to take music and worship to the next level here in our state, and for sharing with us about this issue of personal corporate worship. Because this. What we're talking about here is, is in my top three most important issues that leaders have to respond to to be effective in a post-pandemic world, post-pandemic church. They've got to be able to do this well. And our listeners can hear more from Ron and the leadership team at www.thesparkconference.com. So Ron's got several breakouts uh, that his team is doing there on music and worship. Make sure you catch that at the Spark Conference. And that is the uh, premiere for that is August the 12th. Now, Ron, how can people catch you on social media because they're going to want to follow you? You are, in my opinion, um, if not the sharpest guy, one of the sharpest guys that I've ever met in this area of music and worship. So when people want to know more about you, or how to follow what's happening, where can they catch you on social?
1: One of the easiest ways is to follow our uh, Facebook page. We have our Facebook group page called uh, Georgia Baptist Worship and Music. And uh, that's going to be where we keep updates going and they can find out what's going on. It's an easy way to contact us as well. Also, georgiabaptist.org backslash worship and music. And that'll actually give you a list of all of our regional consultants, a way to connect them in your connect to them in your area. And uh, we want to be a resource to you. I mean, We just want to do it. We want to be a help. If I can ever be a help to you, as you said, you know. If I can come and demonstrate what we're talking about, I would love to do that and help in any way I can.
0: Oh, that's so good. Listen, friends, thank you for engaging with us today. And our prayer is that you'll make your time with Jesus your treasure, not a ticket to find your treasure. Producing for us today is Ray Sullivan. Ray, thanks for doing that, buddy. You're always faithful and do a great job. And thank you to our tribe for engaging and watching And uh, uh, for all that you do to help discipleship become a priority in our state, and my pray that you'll keep multiplying disciples, multiplying groups, multiplying churches as we seek to make world-impacting disciple-makers. Thanks for listening to Georgia Baptist Discipleship Podcast. And we want to give you a gift. The five discipleship shifts most churches need to make to produce world-impacting disciple-makers. You can get this by going to ministryboom.com forward slash the number five discipleship shifts.com. That's ministryboom.com forward slash the number five discipleshipshifts.com. This five page PDF is a discipleship alignment checklist that may surprise you. It will help you learn why programs are killing your discipleship the number one default worker strategy that keeps churches from empowering their ministries. Learn the OGV factor and how it can revolutionize discipleship, attendance, and evangelism in your church. Again, go to ministryboom.com forward slash the number five, discipleshipshifts.com. The Georgia Baptist Mission Board is able to provide resources like this because of gifts from Georgia Baptist to the cooperative program. For more information on this broadcast and a customized discipleship plan for your church, visit gabaptist.org forward slash discipleship. And by the way, if you found this content helpful, we sure hope you'll share it with a friend. And thanks so much for partnering with us to make world impacting disciple makers.